This is the Business Storytelling Show, a top global marketing podcast listened to in more than 100 countries, live streamed on social media, and broadcast on DBTV. Christoph Trapp chats with industry leaders to help your company tell better business stories. Here's today's episode. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? So we are live on YouTube and Twitter. We went live a little bit earlier. LinkedIn doesn't like that. So we'll run the live stream loop right after we're done here. So you can't go live um, much earlier than your scheduled time. That's unfortunate, but it is what it is. So we will just roll with it. Today's guest, super excited to talk to him. Jeff Boulis, he's one of the OGs, so to speak, in content marketing, number one on so many different lists. I actually ran across him before um, in India at a conference that we both spoke at. Uh, very interesting conference, um, to say the least. I uh, really appreciated it. Kind of a long trip, quite frankly. But let's find out how Jeff has built his authority over the years. And what does it take? What does it take for you to get going, to get started today? Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks, Christoph. It's been great to uh, be invited. Thank you very much. So, yeah, awesome. Really appreciate you making the time. So we're actually doing a double recording here. I was on Jeff Jeff's show. And so check that out, the Jeff Bullis Show, available on all the different uh, podcast channels. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Now, Jeff, tell, tell me about how did you get started building that global authority of the Jeff Bullis brand? Well, it's uh, had a few inspirations. So the first one was uh, I was reading David Meerman Scott's book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR, which talked about a term which I hadn't heard before called inbound marketing. In other words, if you created content in a digital world, online world, um, people will be attracted to you and buy your products because you'd build credibility and trust by creating content. In other words, uh, you would do lead generation and get attention instead of chasing attention. In other words, inbound rather than outbound, which is cold calling. And a lot of us in the sales industry have done that before. So that book sort of reset my thinking. And I like the idea of actually attracting an audience. Uh, then uh, I read Tim, uh, Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which talked about creating a business in a digital world. And uh, that was fascinating too and opened my eyes a bit. So I was having a whole reset about business, about marketing. And then I came across a blog post by HubSpot, who's been around, seems like, forever in the content marketing world. Um, and said, if you want to start a business, just start a blog. So... In the meantime, I'd been really fascinated by social, rise of social media and a friend of mine uh, said, get onto social media, get onto Facebook. Um, so this was 2008. So I did in 2008, got into Twitter as well that year and started building an audience there and had some fun and I was just blown away with it. And then we had the perfect storm a year or so later with the rise of smartphones, Apple's iPhone. And I, in 2009, I started a blog. And uh, I was curious about social media and I just created content relentlessly. And as I did that, the world basically showed up and I got invited to speak at conferences and started to get paid to do that. And my world changed. It 
came out of a passionate curiosity about the rise of social media and I really felt that social media was going to change the world and it has. So that's how it all started. You know, it's interesting to me, of course. So I probably, I don't know the exact year, but I probably ran across you, I don't know, maybe 2011, you know, 2010, something like that. So my point is, when when did people start noticing? I mean, was it out of the gate? Uh, did it take a couple of years? Like how long did it take to to build that global audience? And I do remember in India, Jeff, you showed us your first blog post and you said something, and I'm paraphrasing, you said something like look at this this is my first blog post not that good yeah yeah no it wasn't it was about how jennifer aniston yes. dropped her boyfriend justin timberlake because he was spending too much time on twitter and uh that was my first blog post <laughs> funny so how but how long does it take to actually kind of hit your uh hit your rhythm and hit you know hit the the right content niche and everything Uh, before people started noticing? I mean, was it overnight or did it take a couple of years, a few months, or like how long until you went from Jennifer Aniston to informational content that people couldn't stop reading? Uh, it it maybe took around the two-year mark. Uh, it, look, content marketing really is a long-term game. Um, if you're going to be chasing clicks, just viral traffic, then that's a tough gig, right? Uh, it's and it's also more accident than intention or intention you needed to start with. But uh, I, what really started set me apart was I was so passionate and curious about it. As I started to get some attention online, um, and this is the whole thing about I became an influencer before the term influencer was used. I was just a guy that actually people saw writing stuff and tweeting, uh, but. Uh, I started to get some attention, but what I did is I doubled down and wrote every day. I treated myself as a publisher and I was writing every day and I, I was unemployed when I started the blog. It's, um, and then what happened was I got the day job, but then I started because I was enjoying the blogging so much. I continued writing and I got up at 4.30 a.m. for four years, for five days a week and wrote a piece of content pretty well every day without fail. I was on a mission. Um, As I say, the Blue Brothers, a mission from God, maybe not God, but it was actually, I was on a mission. And I just don't know where that energy came from. It's almost like I tapped into the universe and it showed up. But um, look, it's going to take a while. It took me about two years. And then I started to get these invitations to speak at conferences. My first one was in New Zealand. And then the next one was in Italy. And they paid me. And I went, wow, something's happening here. So it, it was about just, and I was writing about stuff that I was curious about rise of social media, the use of smartphones to actually create content, the rise of Instagram and Google Plus, which no longer exists. So I just wrote about and also wrote about what I thought people would be interested in, the questions that I had that other people would have as well. You know, one of the things that I always thought about when 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 I saw your brand take off is, I mean, you were on all these different channels, right? Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, you even mentioned Google Plus, which, of course, hasn't been around for for a while here. Uh, but how do you kind of make sure you pick the right channels? Like, for example, you know, both of us joined Threads, you know, whenever that came about. And, you know, I'm on there, but I don't know. I don't 
see the real business reason right the second, but I also didn't see the real business reason on Twitter, right, when it first started. So it took a little bit of time to develop. So how do you kind of, and then you have a podcast. How long has the podcast been around? Uh, this is the third year. So I think we're, uh, was it the fourth? I forget. Um, I think we're into the fourth year of the podcast. And one of the things I enjoy about the podcast very much I digress and I'll get back to the other, but the podcast for me is very much about having incredibly great conversations with smart entrepreneurs and very intelligent people and fun people from all around the world um, on the topic of startups, digital marketing, um, digital entrepreneurship, um, side hustles. Uh, so uh, I, I get to learn a lot. I actually learn more from my guests than I learn that I basically teach and it's really, really so good. I love it. Um, but the channels, let's go back to channels. Um, the reason I like Twitter is because it was short and punchy and easy to use. Um, and also I was worked out a way to automate tweets a long time ago. And so I think the ability to do marketing automation, which was considered evil initially by many people because social media was meant to be human. Um, until Facebook and the industrial media conglomerate social media platforms all around the world now um, basically are the new media moguls. But I use Twitter because it's short and simple. I was able to automate it. I worked out ways to grow my Twitter following. So, um, and I used the law reciprocation. I manually followed people and they followed me back because they went, oh, this guy's followed me. Let's follow him back. Let's see what he's about. So, um, but social media is great because it can create some credibility and social proof by this is how many followers you have and so on. So um, my go-tos were uh, a blog. And the other thing that's important about a blog is, and I've seen a lot of influencers just have social media a lot of the time. They don't even have a website. The challenge is if you just use social media, that's rented property. You're actually using someone else's platform at using their rules and their algorithms. Um Whereas a blog is your website, your domain, you bought the domain, you created the website, the blog, and it's important that you own as much of the digital assets as you can um, because uh, you want as much control as you can rather than sort of Facebook going, well, we don't want you on here anymore because some algorithm or AI told them that you uh, shouldn't be on Facebook anymore, which happens all the time. I used to have these screaming, you know, there's people going, help me get back onto Facebook and going, well, Good luck with that. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. And I do I do agree with that statement. But the one thing I, I was thinking about the other day is when I see some of those influencers, right, let's say from TikTok, they just take what they do on TikTok and they move it onto YouTube shorts and they're still successful. So whatever they're doing has, I mean, they know how to play the system, right? They know how to move their content and build an audience. And I get it. They're very similar audiences on, or very similar styles on TikTok and YouTube shorts and Instagram reels. But somehow they also know how to make it work. Now, the problem is when it all goes away, like things seem to seem to do, right? I mean, we remember Meerkat when it comes to live streaming, and that's no longer around. Periscope is no longer around, even though we can live stream to Twitter, which we're currently doing. Um, you know, so it is actually worthwhile to put it on your website, to have a website, to build a website and do that. Um, how do you think, why do you think some companies are overlooking that or some creators? Why are they not building 
in addition to building on somebody else's land, also build on their own land? Um, I, I don't know why they do. Uh, I think they're maybe so besotted by the shiny toy of social media that, um, and also a lot of people get their news from social media. A lot of people, that's where they totally play. So um, it's almost like they treat Facebook as if they own it. It's their own land. And uh, I, I think that blogging also is not seen as cool anymore. Um, well, websites, um, you know, there's a lot of different discussions about that websites will eventually go and all you'll be left with it with chat GPT and social media. Um, but I think it's important that, um, I think just maybe distracted by the fact that they they grew up on social media. That's all they've known. Um, and what's a blog? They, someone would even maybe know what a blog is almost these days. But um, microblogging was a term that was given to Twitter and other platforms too. So um, I think it's maybe the other things maybe ignorance about the fact is that um, having your own website blog, building search engine authority, ranking authority with Google. Um, a lot of people see it as too technical, and it is quite technical, but it's also you can just get traffic just by writing content with good headlines. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know why exactly, but I think it's that uh, they grew up in an era of social media, and so social media is the beginning and the end of the digital media universe. Maybe that's why. I, you know, I, I probably think that's... That's probably it. Um, also, I mean, some some of these creators, they put a lot of work into their TikToks and videos, right? But let's be honest, blogging is a whole different ballgame of kind of what work it actually is, right? You have to write it down. You have to kind of even think about the flow. You have to have good grammar. Of course, there's many tools today that can help you with that. Um, you mentioned ChatGPT. Let's talk about that for a minute. As some of you have heard already before, I use CopyLime for most of my headline idea, ideation uh, and outlines. Um, and um, my intro is still, is not, not still, is now an AI voice. Could you tell that was not a human, Jeff? Did you pay attention to it? Uh, but it's paying attention. That's very good. Not bad, right? For an yep. AI voice um, at all. I, I agree. But what do you think is the future of AI? How will that negatively or positively impact um, blogging and, and content creation when it comes to that answer-based content? I, I think we're still navigating it. So um, I just wrote a piece really the other day, which is about uh, will, I, will AI kill the human writer? Um, or human writing. Uh, I think the truth's going to lie somewhere in the middle. I think uh, the term I've been tossing around recently was how can, well, the question I'm asking is how can we use AI as a tool rather than as a crutch? Because it's very easy to type in a topic and get AI to write and chat GPT to write all of it for you with minor editing. Um, but it's crap at writing really personal true stories or stories that come from human experience. Um, a lot of the stories, if you ask a story, it'll come up with a fake story. Um, so I think we're in the middle of a existential crisis for writers. Um, that's, for example, we have the writers of Hollywood and uh, the actors of Hollywood going out on strike in support of the writers because we're seeing that the role of voiceover experts or people that, you know, 
can copy voices as a human, in other words, talk like Robert De Niro um, or whatever, um, their jobs are threatened because uh, AI can be that avatar that uh, basically becomes a deep fake. It can be the video and it can be the person and it can be the voice. So we're seeing the rise of AI, which is weaving its way into every corner of content marketing and media. And I, I think we're still trying to work out what to do with it. But um, any technology is going to be used by the bad actors for evil. It's going to be used by the good actors. We don't have to look at uh, nuclear power, nuclear bomb. You have to look at dynamite used for mining, used for killing. So, you know, any technology will be used for good and evil. The bad actors will show up and use it. So, um, but it doesn't mean we should throw it away. We're just going to work out how to use it and work with it. And I think amplify our humanity rather than diminish it. You know, what's interesting, too, is I don't I'm not too worried that it's going to replace my job necessarily, but um, it certainly will change some jobs. I mean, I you know, I think I mentioned that on your show, the Jeff Bula show is if you're going to use AI, it might replace part of a writer, but you definitely need an editor because AI sometimes spits out just garbage. Right. And we have the lawyer, of course, in the U.S. that got fined. Um, and the other day I did something, um, I actually have an AI tool installed in my email and my, my email said, thank you for including Growgetter in your list. Could you please link to growgetter.io? And AI wrote it, rewrote it and said something like, um, thank you for including us on your grade list. We include a link in the list and blah, blah, blah. Totally like not correct at all. It was kind of, it was like literally the opposite so make sure to think about that and um, and 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 do it correctly. Uh, Mike Caput of the Marketing Artificial Intelligence um, Institute actually said AI will not replace everybody's job, but if you know how to use AI, um, it will help you keep jobs and get jobs that people who can use it um, that they won't get. Um, tell me about. What's next for you? What channels are you eyeing that companies should think about? Um, I know you know we've both been active on Twitter. I'm still trying to figure out threats. I've hopped on the live streaming bandwagon. Thank you to Jason Falls. But what other kind of channels should people consider right now um, as they're building up their authority in a brand, in a in a, in a vertical? Um, okay, Threads is. Yeah, came out of the gate and it's the fastest after chat GPT to reach 100 million users, which was five days. But, of course, that's quite easy to do when you've got Instagram with 1 billion plus users that you use as your marketing channel because Threads is essentially, as when you join it, it says this is an Instagram app. So not hard to actually have that growth when you've already got that base of users, whereas chat GPT came out of basically no platform at all. Um, what platforms to use? Um, I think um, that short video is still has become very, very effective. So you've got Instagram Reels, you've got you know YouTube Shorts, you've got TikTok, of course. Um, I think there's a lot of because the price of digital advertising on social media channels continues to go up. Uh, trying to crack the code of growth marketing with um, earning authority on through SEO still is still going to be very, very important. Uh, I think also uh, 
just experimenting. I have some fun. Uh, choose, and also have some people are really great at video. Some people are really good at writing. I think you've got to find a platform of choice that works with your media preferences as well. So there's no one size fits all. Uh, I think the term that I've used in the past is you need to be ubiquitous. You need to be everywhere as much as possible without being too splintered. So, um, and also the use of automation as much as you possibly can. And uh, an automation for marketing really has only emerged in the last decade. And I remember that I discovered how to very use a very blunt tool for automating my tweets to be sent out happened and people started to really complain this is like 2011 12 but you you can't just be sitting on social media all the time and manually doing stuff you've got to automate your marketing um so that you can concentrate the other parts of your life but i think that be ubiquitous choose your media channel of preference such as video writing audio podcasts all right and uh, build a team that helps you scale you. And I think that's really important. I think that was the one, I still remember that, Social Oomph, right? That's the one you used? It was. Now it's uh, Agora Pulse with uh, the founder, Emric Ermolt. And uh, Emric very kindly built the functionality of Social Oomph. I think we lost Jeff. Into Agora Jeff, did we Pulse, lose you? So I could automate tweets on. A Great, Agora Pulse. We heard that. Um, in the, I think you froze up a little bit. Here. That's okay. We're almost out of time, anyways. But either way, really appreciate you coming on. Oh, there you are, back. Um, that's technology yeah. for us. Um, I still remember when we talked about social oomph, and that was probably eight years ago, nine years ago. And it really created a debate, you know, like, should people do this? Should people repeat posts? And of course you should, because not yeah. everybody sees every post. I mean, but it really created, like, people have strong opinions on that topic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember when I started automating and it was seen as, as marketing evil. It was like, how dare you do this on social media? And guess what? Today we have hundreds of automated marketing platforms in all sorts of arenas. Um, but I used I used a marketing automation tool to help me on Twitter. And I got banned for a day because I was using it. Mm -hmm. And um, I was horrified that uh, Twitter banned me. But uh, they let me back in, luckily. Uh, I wasn't doing anything evil. I was just using a machine. So, uh, yeah. It certainly you worked. Got to, you got to yeah, you've got to play the game of uh, of the rules of the platforms and you've got to understand, have a basic understanding of how the algorithms work because uh, you're at their mercy. And we're, that's what you've got to really, really mindful of. Absolutely. Jeff, really appreciate you coming on. Nice to catch up with you. The last 30 seconds or so here, tell us, how do people reach out to you? Who should reach out to you? Who do you like to work with? And thanks again for coming on. Um, so you can reach me um, at my email, jeff at jeffbullis.com. You can contact me through my blog, jeffbullis.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, of course. So just Google me. Um, but, yeah, we've, we've launched a newsletter, which is about how to start a side hustle, which is essentially what I did, you know, 10, 12 years ago, and it changed my life. Um, in other words, design life for you and um, – 
Thank you very much for every one of you for listening. Um, we live in a very, very fascinating time and uh, the world is quite awesome. And uh, let's continue to enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review the Business Storytelling Show on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. See you then. Thank you.